Hi there, I'm Sinead, Associate Director for Communications at Imagine Insights, and today on our Imagine List podcast, I'm delighted to say that we're joined by our UK community member, Fatima. Welcome to our podcast, Imagine This, the podcast for all things Gen Z. Want to know more about Gen Z? Then join us for our monthly podcast where we'll discuss what matters to Gen Z, how they think, and the incredible impact they're having on our society. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that we pay our Gen Z community for every single insight they provide to a brand. To pay more Gen Z and to be the best at what we do, we really need this podcast to grow. And it's very easy for you to help. If you're listening to us via the Apple or Spotify podcast apps, then just simply press subscribe or follow. That's it. That's all you have to do. You've helped us massively in that one simple action. Thanks so much for helping us to pay more Gen Z. So, Fatima, firstly, welcome to our Imagine This podcast. Uh, how are you today and how's everything going? Good, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'm feeling great. Excited to talk about money. Yes, I think in a cost of living crisis, not many people would openly say that, but it's an important thing to discuss. Um, and I think it's a topical thing, obviously, with the state of current affairs. And hopefully we'll be able to give the Gen Z perspective today on all things money and finances and maybe give some reassurance or a little bit of guidance into how Gen Z are feeling. Um, I will just caveat that neither of us are experts, so we won't no. be providing <laughs> advice, but more of a point of view on our both of our perceptions of money and finances and just having a really open discussion about the Gen Z view and stance on things like that from Fatima's point of view. Mm. So to kick off... Um, Recently, I mean, I would say probably, I'm trying to remember back now when I started, but probably in the past, I'd say like two or three years, we've seen a real boom in buy now, pay later schemes, um, quite driven by Gen Z themselves and using those um, those formats when online shopping and things like that, especially mm-hmm. with companies like Klarna and ClearPay being quite widely available to the younger demographics. How do you think that may have shaken up the way that young people are viewing their finances? I mean, massively. So um, a huge caveat that I'm 20 and I've only gotten a job at 18. So Mm -hmm. I have approximately two years of like dealing with money that is not my parents. So so, like a huge caveat there. But um, I think it has had a massive impact. So if we think about our parents, which is like, the silent generation or some people with younger parents have like millennial parents um our perception of the bank is drastically different to them because we know about the financial crisis of 2008 so we naturally have a less trusting relationships with traditional banks and that includes all the packages that come with them whether it's the physical building so that's why we prefer monzo or like the loans they provide and the ridiculous interest that accompanies it. So I think that a lot of us see Klarna and ClearPay and like all of those other like ways of paying for things uh, as like a rebellion against traditional banking. Mm. (laughs) And um, I think that reflects even in the marketing of Klarna, like the the transparency which which would they communicate they tell you about like any fees and stuff like that so it's sort of the (laughs) anti-bank in that sense and I think I think that um that attitude uh that difference in attitude between us and our parents 
is is what Klarna represents. And for me, Klarna is sort of a way I can get what I want without having to uh, pay too much. Obviously, as younger people, we have less money, but we are massive consumers. So it's kind of a contradiction because brands know we consume a lot, so they want to advertise to us, but they know we have a lit, a lit, very little money, especially with like student finance not keeping up with inflation. <laughs> so it's Klan is like the perfect solution for us young people who want to buy, but don't have anything, and companies who know that we want to buy <laughs> and are going to pressure our parents to buy. Uh, you can buy and you can like with three clicks, you can buy, but uh, so our consumer habits are fed and mm-hmm. companies are kept going. So it's sort of like the only way, especially within this financial crisis, that Gen Z can meaningfully contribute and to you, buying and the economy. Mm-hmm. And do you think that's a really interesting point of view? Because I hadn't thought of it like that around the distrust of like a traditional bricks and mortar bank set up. Do you feel like, um, two questions, I guess, twofold. Do you feel like, and you touched upon it a little, that the marketing tactics of those um, competitor, you know, buy now, pay later schemes are targeted specifically at younger people who may not be able to potentially afford to buy at once in one mm-hmm. foul swoop payment? And then secondly, do you see, I'm gauging from our conversation that you are a potential user of these systems. Do you see any, uh, do you have any apprehension around them or do you foresee any risks with using such buy now, pay later schemes? Mm. I do think, I think buy now, pay later is sort of, I don't think it's specifically made, like targeted to Gen Z. Klarna Mm. and Clearpay are, but your traditional like buy now pay later things like if you have an Argos card for example that's Mm. not necessarily catered to Gen Z it's more sort of catered to our like wider consumption habits Mm -hmm. um and I I do use both of those things and I also Mm -hmm. like have a John my John Lewis card and Argos like it's like when it comes to Christmas or like big shopping that's like (laughs) the only thing I use um and the benefit for me immediately is that um, I have rent to pay. I have bills to pay. Uh, I can't be making two thousand pound purchases at one go without like not being able to pay my rent and my bills. So mm. it's about like having my cake and eating it too. So that's a benefit of buy now pay later. But a negative is that if you have too many buy now pay later schemes simultaneously going on, then it's hard to keep track. And especially if you're not a budgeter and the money is taken out at different times of the month, you can very easily go into overdraft and get overwhelmed in finances and have like many uh, minimum payments to do at the same time, which at the time of purchase sounds small. It's like, you want this 90 pound jacket? Well, pay 30 pounds or 30 pounds sound like doable. 90 pounds sounds like too much. Mm. But if you have too many of those simultaneously, then you're being played <laughs> rather yeah. than you gaming the system. You're so, back to paying that £90. <laughs> exactly. And then we haven't even spoken about all the fees and interest and everything else, that accomp- the baggage that accompanies it. So mm. I think with buy now, pay later, I do think it's good. I don't like demonising anything. Everything, you know, is good in small proportions. But you need to be a budgeter for it to work. And 
you need to know which ones you have going on at any given time and what time you're going to pay them off. And I would suggest not having more than one of them at any given time. Um, just because, you know, you could lose your job. Like, you know, money is never guaranteed in life. So um, there's an inherent risk, even if it doesn't feel like it at the time of purchase. Mm-hmm. And you touched there upon, like, knowledge, I guess, in relation to understanding what these um, products are that you can use to buy now and pay later. Mm-hmm. Talking about that education piece, do you feel like, I mean, what was your uh, financial education like for your education personally? Like, do you feel like you were taught about money at school? Um, the short answer to that is no. Like, no. <laughs> uh, I would hazard to guess not at all, actually. We were sort of just taught that, like, it will, like, the knowledge of that will come through life. So, all you need to do is, like, go to university. And when once you go to university, you get a job. And then once you get a job, everything will, like, sort itself out. Like, you don't need to think about anything else after that. Um, which was a huge disservice to me. And I'm very angry, actually, that I've never got that education. Um, everything I know about money is either through making mistakes mm-hmm. <laughs> or through TikTok and YouTube and, like, financial, like, advice, uh, I guess, gurus on the internet. And through, like, making the mistake in the first place and saying, oh, like, don't go into overdraft, that's bad. <laughs> or, like, make sh- like credit cards are not just, like, an infinite, like, money money swipe thing. Like, you're going to have to pay them back eventually. Um, so, yeah, I learned through failure. <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite wild, isn't it, really, that now we're in 2023 and financial education is still not part of the curriculum, which... To me, it's like as soon as you leave that education bubble and if you're, um, you know, if you either go on to higher education or straight into workplace or an apprenticeship, you then need to have this understanding that's meant to come from nowhere. I mean, if you're lucky enough to have like a family or friends that can sort of educate you on those things, then that's great. But if Mm. you're maybe someone that doesn't have those networks as strong or the the access to those people who have knowledge based on that, then it's it can be quite a scary place. And I think the unknown for young people coming out of education and suddenly, I mean, I must admit, when I moved to, um, like, moved out of my parents' home and realised that there were things like council tax to pay, which, like, I wasn't <laughs> really... bloody council tax. <laughs> like, I wasn't really, like, aware of what that was for, what it was, how the different bands worked. So then when I was looking for, you know, a flat in London post-university, I didn't understand that if I picked one borough over another that the bills would be different. And it's all of those things that could be so easily, well, I say easily, I'm not an educational expert, but you'd hope that they could be seeded into the curriculum in a better way Mm -hmm. to equip young people for the wider world. Mm. That's really interesting. Um, When you were saying about, like, family... uh environments I, I was thinking of that book rich dad poor dad which I haven't read but I've heard enough about to feel like I've read it um <laughs> which essentially like highlights obviously uh one of the biggest like m- more money is obviously better right like with more money you can do more things but I love the disparities between rich and poor is really knowledge like mm-hmm. what do wealthier pe- parents teach their younger kids versus what do poorer parents teach their young- younger kids so I'm a first generation like ethnic minority immigrant parents who are like very working class and mm-hmm. the only real like advice I've got about money it's that make more of it because it'll make your life better <laughs> and save 
and that's yeah. about it like anything to do with like investing and like leveraging and all of those like interest like I've never learned about any of that <laughs> so um, I had to learn I had to learn myself um whereas mm. if I grew up in a different environment maybe maybe I'd have, I, I, I would have known no more like who knows it's such <laughs> an important point you make because I think as you, you are right there is a disparity in knowledge between you know different circumstances and backgrounds and I think the one thing I would call out for any brands that are maybe listening into this or any financial organizations is that there are huge opportunities with Gen Z to educate them to upskill them to do you know have those CSR corporate objectives in your campaigns that you know give back to young people I mean that they are financially upskilling themselves because you're not the only Gen Z I've spoken to who said exactly the same things around, you know, coming out of education and not really having that background knowledge or understanding for whatever reason. And there'll be different reasons for different people. In terms of, um, so you mentioned saving a little bit earlier. Do you use any of the newer ways to save? So I know I'm aware that, you know, Monzo have like money pots and there's certain apps and things where you can pay for a coffee and up, up it to two pounds well I mean don't know who's getting a two pound coffee but <laughs> up it a little bit <laughs> to, <laughs> up it a little bit to then sort of put some money into your savings do you use any of those more innovative ways or do you use a more traditional route or are you if you feel comfortable yeah. saying not a saver which is also could be the I mean, <laughs> I mean like when you grow up like middle like very working class like I did you sort of have to be good with money and good at saving mm-hmm. otherwise like you're not going to have a home and you're not going to be able to eat so <laughs> so through that like I learned about budgeting and I follow the 50 20 30 rule which basically means like spend 50% on needs 30% on wants and 20% on savings I'm pretty mm-hmm. good at following that um although I do swap out 30 so I save 30% rather than 20% because I live at home so I'm able to so yeah. <laughs> um that's an advantage there but yeah I mean I, I do save quite a bit I'm quite frugal because I'm quite a panicker and I'm like oh what if this happens and what if that happens and what are you gonna do you can't rely on your parents they don't have anything um so, so I save quite a lot there and I use chip I don't know if you've heard of chip but oh, it's essentially like it's basically like a there's a cash ISA option which allows you to like earn interest on the money you're saving so mm-hmm. because of like the crazy interest rates right now I think it's up to four percent which is stupidly high actually because normally if you save through like a like Barclays for example you get like 0.01 <laughs> or something like very like minuscule or um not helpful but with chip like it's up to like I guess it's like three point something or like rounded up to four percent which is really good so mm. um I save through there um I also use Mon because uh I use Monzo uh I receive my paycheck through Halifax and then I like budget through Monzo because it has those little like categories mm-hmm. uh, and as part of that I also use the pots as like a sinking fund so I have like a travel fund that nice. I feel and then if it gets to like a thousand and I like book my trip and I'm only allowed to use the money within that pot while I'm on the trip okay. so that helps me feel like I'm not deprived like while I'm on the trip I don't really want to be like checking oh can I afford this I'd rather just like enjoy the trip mm-hmm. um so I do that and I save for like uh my nephew if I like if I would save for like 
presents and stuff uh, mm-hmm. so that I have the money or if I don't do that I do the buy now pay later that we <laughs> discussed earlier yeah. and yeah I do feel like I'm using what's available to me at hand and you mentioned earlier I'd just like to delve into it a bit more that you sort of you'll source some of your knowledge or advice from the likes of TikTok or like social media or like experts would you say that you are where would be like your main place you'd go to like for like financial expertise um I think obviously TikTok is like entirely algorithm based so if Mm. it comes up it comes up on my for you page um and it comes up more sometimes than not depending on like how much finances is on my mind (laughs) um but I guess like where I get like concrete sit down like this is what you should do advice is more from youtube so um i follow a couple of people who are sort of so i follow this one uh youtube channel called the financial diet who sort of uh, are a women's only company who sort of provide financial advice to women specifically which is Mm. something that's quite rare in the financial (laughs) in the finance guru like world is very much just like young men who are like telling you to buy weird coins <laughs> weird crypto <laughs> coins but like they're pretty good um I do watch like some of like Dame, Dave Ramsey's like shows because you know he's very good at like ranting and shouting at you to be more frugal and not be in debt so I use that as motivation whenever I'm in debt <laughs> um that's about it like the odd person will pop up on my page but mm. I guess yeah and YouTube if- is like yeah if you you were um if you were uh, like as yourself if you were a brand um what would you want sorry that didn't make any sense at all let's take that (laughs) back um how would you want a brand maybe in the financial space to engage with you like is it uh, like do you appreciate the marketing efforts of the likes of Monza and things or is it that you want to see like more of a a take from brands on you know supporting young people at this time in the current crisis that we're in Mm, what would I like I do think I do think the current like marketing schemes that I'm thinking of are like pretty effective because they have an understanding of like the average person right Mm -hmm. like the average young person so um I guess there was a point in the at one point in the media where there was a lot of shaming of millennials and like oh like avocado toast that's why I can't afford a house like all of that rhetoric and that seems to have well at least in my world bubble that I'm in it seems to have like lessened a bit you know people Mm. are more aware that like oh like it's really bad (laughs) in the financial situation that young people are in currently both millennials and gen z um so I think the current tactic is fine. I think it's just about uh, not shaming us for our choices. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, we go out to eat a lot. Yeah, we order coffee every day. Like, it's just the reality of how we live. And <laughs> um, brands should just sort of, like, know that about us. Like, have an accurate understanding as to what the general, like, what the consumption habits of young people are. And mm. to not shame us about those. And to help us fulfill those I guess I don't know and mm. yeah I guess help provide support yeah so it's that would more be about good... the like tonality almost of how they're speaking to their consumers I'm gauging from you 
so like yeah. what what um narrative they're like putting so if you saw maybe say an advertising campaign that you know pictured someone that you could relate to talking about something that a topic that you can relate to so maybe buying that coffee every day but mm-hmm. it's done in such a way that it's almost not shaming you but maybe saying have you considered doing this saving upping your payment and then saving a bit or have you considered maybe cutting down every other day so it's more like relatable as opposed to preachy yeah that's it like yeah not preachy because I do think we don't touch enough on how much money is an emotional thing like money is a very emotional thing to a lot of people and it means very Mm. different things to a lot of different people um so tone I think is the biggest thing once you get that tone right then and people feel like you're coming at them from an equal playing field then they're going to be more receptive to any financial advice you give them following following that but if you sort of come and say this is all the things that you're doing wrong <laughs> and this is what you should be doing instead then like they're already shut out because money is a very like sensitive topic for a lot of people mm-hmm. so of course yeah. and then I just wanted to touch briefly on the rise in subscription-based services such as you know your mm-hmm. Netflix your Prime Video your Apple Music your Spotify and then mm-hmm. the more niche ones I guess like you can get your razors delivered to your house and all sorts but mm-hmm. how do you feel personally about that? Are you someone who would rather have a tangible object that you then own once you've bought and you know you can keep it forever until you maybe choose to gift it on or not get, have it anymore? Or are you quite comfortable being a digital native, being a Gen Z, having a few subscriptions? And I guess my question there is, do you buy into the sorts of those sorts of subscription models? Mm. I guess that's really interesting. I think it depends because... Uh, with things like the razor example you gave for example like you have the option between the subscription or like physically going into store and buying the razors each time right whereas with the likes of Netflix or Audible or Spotify you don't have that option you, you have to buy the subscription right it's not like you're going to like cancel the subscription every month and then re-download it I mean I guess some people might do that but that's not what pe- most people do so with I'm personally a person that has a lot of subscriptions and it's like makes up a big part of my budget um I have the Netflix I have Disney Plus I have Spotify I also have um Skin and Me which is like a skincare subscription thing um so for me personally if it's something where like um I'm going to need it every month like my skincare I'd rather just have that delivered to my door every month. And with Netflix, uh, because I don't know when I'm going to want to watch it, I'd rather it just be there all the time. And mm-hmm. paying £10.99 a month is easier for me than paying like 100 and whatever in one go. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But again, it's, a, it's kind of like buy now, pay later. Like if you have too many subscriptions going on simultaneously all at different areas and you're not keeping track of them and they're leaving your account at different times of the month, then it gets very messy. So I always like try to align my subscriptions to one, like around my payday. So mm-hmm. it, the, all the money goes at one go and I don't have to feel it again. Um, but yeah. I think that's really interesting. It's almost that use of or that utilising, I should say, ease of, like, well, just ease, isn't it? It's because, like, so you were mentioning about your skin in me, that comes, I guess, maybe once a month, you know it's mm-hmm. coming, you know what it's going to cost you, it's not the 
going into the supermarket or the the beauty store and seeing that actually your favorite face cream has gone up by x percent and actually it was it's now going to affect your budget dependent on last yeah. month um so I guess young people really and I'm not blanketing all young people but I think mm-hmm. with the drive of subscription models potentially young people are seeing the benefits of that a ease of consumption but also when it comes to budgeting there's maybe an element of that there too exactly mm. And then I guess just my last question would be um, around like, given what you've learned and you mentioned making mistakes at the beginning, which I think is a really lovely way to put it because it's the way that you've, you know, you've learned how to sort of manage your money and your views on finances Mm -hmm. and things like that. What would something be that you potentially know now about money that you wish you'd knew sooner or you wish you'd been taught in school? Oh my gosh, everything. As I mentioned, like I didn't learn anything. Um, I wish I learned in school that like I've learned that money is something I can control it's not necessarily something that has to control me because mm-hmm. um, before I used to budget it felt like I got my paycheck and then by like the 15th day I have like 20 pounds and I have to like work with that 20 pounds for the rest of the two weeks and it felt like money was controlling me but now that I've learned about budgeting rules and saving and like how to maximize your savings and make sure you have an emergency fund and make sure you invest x amount and make sure this much this percentage of your paycheck is going to retirement like I feel more control more in control of money Mm. and I I demonize it less and that yeah because before I, I used to have a view that like people who had a lot of money were like bad (laughs) yeah and like money wasn't good Um, And it was a corrupter, but like, I don't have that view anymore. So Mm. yeah, probably that. I think think, like you said earlier, it's such a personal thing and it's such a topic that, you know, some people do feel uneasy talking about. And I think Mm -hmm. actually the beauty of the Gen Z that we speak to day in, day out is that they are just not necessarily in relation to finances, but just in in generally in life a lot of young people are more open to having conversations about the tricky things, you know, things that they may have struggled with. Mental health is a huge one and things like that. And I honestly think that just by, you know, having open conversations or reaching out to an expert, and there are lots of free resources online as well um, Mm -hmm. that can sort of help. We um, actually did a financial wellbeing session at work yesterday. So this was very well timed, this podcast. And then we had an expert come in and talk to us and, you know, there's a vast array of array of you know apps where you can like pick up um food that's maybe gone past its um sell by date but is still in its best before and things like that there's um you know the likes of vintage which are hugely popular with the younger demographic for like um circular economy and reselling you know old clothes and i think that really is a drive that will be really beneficial for young people um currently in this climate that we're in um, but Fatima, I just really want to say thank you so much for joining us. Um, you've been so open and honest and we've had such a great discussion. I could have gone for way longer. Um, and also thank you to our audience for listening to our 25th episode of Imagine This. Our mission at Imagine Insights is to help Gen Z to shape their futures. And we know that this is best done with brands as brands are shaping society and culture like our lovely government and other establishments only wish they could. Please do like, subscribe and share. Thank you again for tuning in and we'll expect you next time. And thank you so much, Fatima, for joining us. Thank you.